0: Is where we'll begin reading tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We get situated here, get set up to preach. Let's all stand to our feet this evening in honor of the Word of God, if we could please, tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, and verse number 1. for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because if the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burn offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can what, never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever, them that are sanctified. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us this evening as we think about and meditate on and study and preach about Your Son. Help us to be able to connect with the passages, to understand them, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak to us and help us. Father, I beg You, please, that You would guide my thoughts and my speech and help me to say only what You would have me to say. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over myself, my mind, over this place, Your people. And I pray that You'd cast out all the demons and devils of hell that would try to prevent us from being able to hear from You this evening. Please speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, we beg you, please, that you would anoint this service with power from on high. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. and Amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you very simply this evening on one basic thought. The complete and final sacrifice, in Jesus Christ. You know, a few weeks ago when these young people were having their youth service, Uh, one of our young men, uh, Ben Stallman, preached largely on this subject. I didn't necessarily think about that as it was laid on my heart earlier in the week, but as I prepared it, I realized much of what would be said would be similar. But I believe that maybe just a little bit this evening as I thought and prayed and read and As I was reading this week, the Lord drew some of these thoughts and passages out to my mind and to my heart, and I just began to think about all the different offerings that used to be offered before Jesus Christ became our one and only needed offering. Now we heard about how His offering and sacrifice of Himself on the cross of Calvary was that of our sin atonement And our final and only necessary sin offering. As you get into this chapter in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10, you have to understand who this book of the Bible is being written to. So, um, not a a, uh, trick question. Who is the book of Hebrews written to? Hebrew people, right? So, if you consider who the listener is when this was originally written, then you'll understand that When this passage is being written to them, God is speaking to them about sacrifices that are still being made in their temples and tabernacles at this moment when this passage is being written. Now, even today still, some of the Jewish people and some of the more religious Jewish sects still do some of these things. But back then, these sacrifices and things were done at a much higher level, and so, God is trying to speak to His chosen people, the Jewish people who have rejected His Son Jesus Christ as the only one that they need. Many of the Jews believed, but many of them didn't. Is everybody okay? So this passage is written for many Jews who either did believe or who might be on the cusp of believing. Some of them who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they believe that He is the only sacrifice that they need. And so, these people are still in close connection with their Hebrew roots, right? They are still closely connected with their Hebrew families. Some of their families didn't get saved. Some of them did not believe that Jesus was the final and only necessary sacrifice for their sins. And so, some of them probably still have family members. Some of them probably still have friends that are connected to the temple and tabernacle. And truthfully, uh, Christians back then were still in some ways, these Jewish Christians especially, carrying out some of these things. So this is still all very real to them. They see the, 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 the uh, uh, sacrifices that are being made at the tabernacle and at the temple in Jerusalem. They see the ones that are being made every year. They see the ones that are being made every day. It's a very public thing. It is a known thing. And so, when these passages are written, I want you to pick it up again in verse number uh, 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So, when God wrote the law, He wrote into the law that there should be a certain number of sacrifices and offerings made. Is everybody with me? So, he wrote that into the law. Now, why did he write to the Jewish people that they should perform a certain number of sacrifices? Well, some of those sacrifices and offerings were to atone for their sin, but some of them also were for other things, which I think we'll get into here in just a few moments. Now, they were all a picture of what would one day happen when Jesus Christ the righteous came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And when he laid down his life on the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary, then what happened was all of those sacrifices that they had done over the years before Jesus Christ came and made his final sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, those sacrifices of animals, of rams and bulls and, and things of that nature, they were simply a picture of the perfect sacrifice that would one day, one day be made on the cross of Calvary. Is everybody okay? Okay. So the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So in other words, none of those sacrifices were were capable of making you perfect in the eyes of God, right? Verse number 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Or I guess it's a question. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? In other words, if one of those sacrifices would have been complete, then wouldn't they have stopped making sacrifices? Right? Because if they could have brought the one perfect, spotless, sinless lamb, then God would have commanded them, okay, that's the one, now you can stop. Right? But in those sacrifices, verse number 3, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So... Every single time they bring a sin atonement to the the tabernacle, to the temple, every time they bring that sacrifice, it reminds us of our sins. It is a remembrance made of our sins. It reminds us that we still need somebody and something to pay for our sins because this is still not enough. Verse number 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away what? Sins. Wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith, now who is the He that is being spoken of? Jesus Christ, wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared Me. Jesus says, look, uh, when I came to this earth, I could have offered sacrifices and offerings, but that's not what you wanted. You gave My body and asked Me to give it back to you. Is everybody okay? In verse number 6, the Bible says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure God was never fully pleased and never fully satisfied with the sacrifices of bulls and of rams we heard about why that was in that message just a couple of weeks ago God is a just God and if God is just and if God is righteous then He must judge sin. And so His wrath against sin had to be appeased. And the only one who could do that was the perfect spotless Lamb of God. Verse number 7, Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of Me, to do Thy will, O God. This is Jesus speaking above when He said, Sacrifice and offering, and burn offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And aren't you glad that Jesus Christ offered himself a willing sacrifice and said, I come to do thy will. It's a picture of Samuel in the Old Testament who said, Lo, here am I. Remember when Samuel was called of God to serve him and he had never heard the voice of God before and he goes to the prophet Eli and says, Behold, thou didst call me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And who knows what's going on in Samuel's mind, but he's probably walking away thinking, that old guy surely did call me. He just doesn't remember it. And he heard the voice of God again and he ran into the old prophet Eli and said, Here am I. And the old prophet Eli said, I didn't call you, son. Go back to bed. And he heard it, was it a third time? And he ran to Eli. And Eli this time finally realized this must be the voice of God. And he said, Son, it's the Lord who is calling you. Respond to Him. And Samuel said, Here am I to the Lord Himself. And God called him and raised up a new prophet for the land that would set things right. And in the same way, Jesus Christ came to His Father and said, Here am I. I offer Myself. The body that You gave Me, I offer it. And I, I am so glad that he did. Verse number nine, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And by the way, there's a lot of doctrine being, oh, there's so much, there's so much in here. But notice the separation between God the Father and God the Son. They are, and I cannot explain this nor quite understand it, but they are three separate persons, but they are all God. And I don't understand how all of that works, but clearly God the Father is speaking to God the Son. They are two separate entities, yes? Then said He, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. And He said to others that He came to do the will of His Father. Right? He taketh away the first, what was that? He taketh away the first sacrifices, The ones that were of bulls and of rams that were not sufficient and were not pleasing to God. He said He takes away the first that He may establish the second. What is the second? The second covenant that would be made by the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ would come and shed His blood on the cross of Calvary, that was the second covenant. The first covenant was the covenant that was made uh, with Abraham and with Moses. These covenants that were made that would not last. But the second covenant was the one that was made then later on when Jesus Christ came to save sinners and when he offered himself on the cross of Calvary a new covenant was entered into that the blood of Jesus Christ was all that we needed and that if we would put our faith and trust in his son Jesus Christ that we could have peace with him by the which will verse number 10 we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all It is by the blood and power of Jesus Christ that we are sanctified and cleaned up after the day that He saves us. It is Christ who continues a work in us according to the book of Philippians. Amen? Verse number 11. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, but this man, <laughs> after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, Sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are what? Sanctified. I got to thinking about this. What happened when Jesus died with all those sacrifices? Well, I want us to think about, for just a moment, the different types of sacrifices. Can we just rejoice in Jesus a little bit tonight? What kind of offerings and sacrifices were there? Well, the first one that I can find that is mentioned in the Scriptures is mentioned in Exodus chapter number 29. Now, you can turn there if you like, or you can write it down if you're taking notes. The first one I can find is called the burnt offering. What is the burnt offering? The burnt offering was an offering of a bullock or of a ram. Both sometimes. They would take the blood of the ram and sprinkle it about the altar. The whole ram would be burned upon the altar. And there were different laws and customs and things that they needed to do. What was the purpose of the burnt offering? Well, they would use in some cases, depending on which type of burnt offering they were using, when it was the burnt offering of a ram, they would take that blood and they would sprinkle it about the altar and they would also use some of that blood to sanctify the priests. And when they would then burn the ram upon the altar, the Bible says that it would be to God, if it was offered in the right way, a sweet smelling savor. It was often used as a sin offering. A consecration offering. It is a picture of how that when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, that He offered all of Himself and that every last part of our sin was laid upon Him And as the bullock and the ram were consumed in the fire, all of our sins were burnt up and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The burnt offering as a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord was one of those things that it doesn't make sense to the mind of the human being. If you've ever smelled burning flesh, it's not exactly a sweet smelling savor. But why was it a sweet smelling savor to God? You see, because the burnt offering was a picture of what would one day happen in Jesus Christ and because of Jesus Christ. And what I'm trying to say to you is that our sin stinks in the nostrils of the Lord. The Bible refers to our sin having a stench to it. Having a rottenness to it but when Jesus Christ the righteous died for our sins what now comes up into the nostrils of the Lord is a sweet smelling savor not because of anything good that we have done but because of the sacrifice of His Son upon the cross of Calvary and as a result all of our stinking sins have now been turned into something that no longer even exists in the mind and eyes of God. What He sees when He sees you is His Son. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ took your place on the cross... That when God the Father looks at you, He sees you through His Son. So in other words, He sees the payment that His Son made and the atonement that was made through Him, and when He sees us, He no longer sees or smells the stench of our sin, but the sweet-smelling sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Secondly, there was a meat offering. This is mentioned In Exodus, it's also mentioned in Leviticus chapter number 2, verses 1 through 15. What was the meat offering? Well, the meat offering was not anything like what we we would see it as today. When you think of a meat offering, what do you think of? You think of meat. But the meat offering back then was actually an offering of fine flour and of oil and of frankincense. Now, when the offering was made to the temple, it would be brought with oil and with frankincense, and that would have been placed on top of the fine flour, and then would have been burnt on the altar. But then the priest would also take some of that meat offering that was made unto the Lord, and keep it for himself for his own provision. Now the meat offering is a picture of God's provision for us. You see, the meat offering was a It was a picture of God's provision and blessing. And it was offered as an offering of thankfulness. Is everybody okay? Thirdly, the peace offering. The peace offering was a voluntary sacrifice of thanksgiving. It was a symbol of our peace that was made with God. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 53 and verse number 5, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. In God's wrath by ourselves, we could not be joined together with Him in peace. Somebody had to make peace between us and God the Father and Jesus Christ did that for us. The peace offering was made on a regular basis. It was something that was done voluntarily. It was made out of thanksgiving to the Lord and it was also burned on the altar and it was a sweet smelling savor. Next, number four was the sin offering. The sin offering is mentioned in Exodus chapter number 29. It was a blood sacrifice and an atoning for sin. Turn your Bibles there and look at Exodus chapter number 29. And I want you to read it with me. Exodus chapter number 29. We're going to look at a couple of different places. Now we're going somewhere with this, so stay with me. Exodus chapter number 29. And look at verse number... thirty six. And thou shalt offer every what day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement. And thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar. And so that means every day that a bullock would be offered and sanctify it. And it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, what? Continually. This is what is being referenced in uh, Hebrews chapter number 10. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the what? Morning, And the other lamb thou shalt offer at, and with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour, there's that meat offering, mingled with the fourth part of a hen of beaten oil, and the fourth part of a hen of wine for a drink offering, and the other lamb thou shalt offer it even, and thou shalt do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire, unto the Lord this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generation at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord where I will meet you to speak there unto thee so there had to be a lamb that was brought morning and evening during this seven days to make an atonement for the altar and to sanctify it and so there was a sin offering that was made during this particular feast and then uh, or should I say during this a particular Sabbath, and then at other times. And then lastly, the trespass offering. Now I find this one very interesting. Look at Leviticus chapter number 6, and this is the last one that we'll look at concerning the offerings. Leviticus chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Leviticus chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Leviticus chapter number 6 and verse number 1. If you're not familiar with what Leviticus is, it's one of the first three books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus. And then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, "...and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor, in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor, or hath found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely, in any of all these that a man doeth sinning therein, then it shall be because he hath sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he hath found, or all that about which he hath sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the what? Principle, and shall add the what? The fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth in the day of his, what? Trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation for a, what? Trespass offering unto the priest. Now the trespass offering is very interesting. You ever wonder what the difference is between the sin offering and the trespass offering? Have you ever thought about it? How many of you have ever been curious about that? You ever thought about it? Okay. Well, I did. I always wondered what was the difference between the different what was the difference between the sin offering and the trespass offering? Aren't they the same thing? Isn't the word sin and trespass often used interchangeably? Doesn't, don't they essentially mean the same thing? They kind of do, but they kind of don't. So think of it this way: a trespass offering is an offering made for sin, but it's a specific kind of sin. What kind of sin is that? Now, I know we read some verses in here and you were probably falling asleep on me, so you may have missed what we were reading. But what was being said is that if you have had anything put in your charge by a neighbor or a brother, and it was lost and you lied about it and didn't restore it to him, in other words, uh, Ben comes to me and says, hey, I'd like you to keep my goat. I'm going on a trip. I need somebody to feed my goat. And I say, this is a real thing back then. And so I say, all right, I'll I'll keep it for you. It can stay in the pen with my goats. Well, while he's on his trip, his goat gets away. All mine are fine. And I don't tell him anything about it. And when he comes back, he says, well, um, could I have my goat back? And I say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I did give you a goat to take care of. Do you remember that? Uh, Nope, don't remember it. Sorry. All my goats are fine. I don't know where your goat is. And I don't restore to him his goat. Now what has happened is, I've sinned by lying, and I have refused to restore to him something that belongs to him. Right? So what happens is, my sin of lying and if I don't think it's a sin necessarily to lose the goat, but my sin of lying to Him is now being transferred over to Him where my sin now becomes something that affects Him because I refuse to restore it because I've lied that I ever had it or that I ever lost it. A trespass is something that affects somebody else. It's something that costs somebody else something. Are you with me? Look at it again in verse number 2. If a soul sin, and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep. You see that? Or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence. I go and, 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 and take somebody's things by violence. At, at gunpoint, I steal from them. Taken away by violence. Or, hath deceived his neighbor. Maybe in business dealings. Weren't entirely honest with him. Is everybody okay? Or, have found that which was lost and lieth concerning it. I found his goat, but I didn't tell him about it and I kept it. Nope, I don't know where it is. Does that affect him? And, sweareth falsely. No, no, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. In any of all these that a man doeth sinning therein, then it shall be because he hath sinned and is guilty that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he hath sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle, and shall add what? The fifth part more there too. So if it's found out that I've taken it, if I want to get right with God, I not only have to return to him what I stole, but I have to add a fifth part. I have to add 20% to it to get right with him. Is everybody okay? He gets 20% interest on that which I, would st- which I stole. So, boy, that would do away with a lot of thievery today, wouldn't it, you think? If somebody gets caught, not only do they have to repay it, but you add 20% interest on top of it. But not only does he have to restore it to his brother, he also has to bring a trespass offering unto the Lord. And if he does those two things, then in the Old Testament, everything can be made okay. It's a picture. It's a picture of how our sins affect others. And make no mistake, there are many sins that we commit that become a debt of ours that we all owe not only to God, but we owe to others. You know there are a couple other times that God uses the term trespass in the New Testament. The Bible says for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Yes? But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your what? Trespasses. Is everybody with me? Now think about this. There are times when people do things to us that cause injury that cost us something. Yes? And God says that even though it has cost you something, whatever they did, whatever they said, they hurt your reputation and other people look upon you differently now. It cost you something. We are supposed to forgive men the sins they commit against us that cost us something. Hello? Because we have a Savior <laughs> that did away with all of the offerings and sacrifices, including the trespass offering, knowing that all of our sins were going to cost Him something. And He gave everything He had. and. His life was consumed on the cross of Calvary, which is a picture of the burnt offering, and He gave Himself as a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord, which is a picture of the meat offering, and He made peace between us and our Heavenly Father, and He was wounded for our transgressions, and He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed, and He took upon Him the sin of the whole world, and He took upon Him my sin, the sin offering, and He also took upon Him the trespasses, the things that I did that cost Him something, and He did it without charging me anything for it. It cost me nothing. And while in the Old Testament, 20% 20% had to be added in order for things to be taken care of. He asked nothing in return. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. So what are we to do with the offering and sacrifice that did away with all others? Look at Hebrews chapter number 13 and I'm done. Hebrews chapter number 13 and look at verse number 10. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Now he's talking about people who still are seeking atonement through the sacrifice of rams and of goats and of sheep. Is everybody okay? For we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate. You see, when His sacrifice was made, it wasn't made within the gates of the tabernacle. It wasn't made within the gates of the temple. It was made on Calvary's hill outside of the temple, outside of those four walls. Is everybody okay? Because he was making a point that his sacrifice... By making it outside of the walls of the temple, we would no longer be required to go there in order to have atonement for our sins, but rather only to look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. For by His stripes we are healed. Verse number 14, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By Him, therefore, so because of these things that we have just learned and heard, let us, what? Offer thee, what? Okay, stop. Don't read any further. Now, I thought all the sacrifices were done away with. Weren't they? The sacrifices of atonement were. The sacrifice of the trespass offering and the sin offering and the peace offering and the meat offering and the burn offering doesn't have to be made anymore. And we don't technically have to make this offering either. But he made his sacrifice outside of the walls of the temple so that we could all, as Gentiles who were not allowed... Are you getting the picture yet? As non-Jews who were not allowed to go anywhere near the holiest of holies and as those that were not high priest that were not allowed to enter in to the holiest of holies where the blood sacrifice was being made he made his sacrifice outside of the walls of the temple whereby all of us can approach to him and all of us can go to him whether Jew or Gentile whether bond or free all of us can go to the throne of grace to the cross of Calvary and receive the uh, the atoning sacrifice for our sins it was made outside of that wall because God wanted us all to be able to access Him and to also prove that there would be no more need for sacrifices within those walls. The veil of the temple was rent in twain so that we could now enter into the holiest of holies to the throne of grace by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and by Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of what? Of praise to God continually. Now how do you do that? That is the fruit of our lips. Oh, giving thanks to His name. And how can we give thanks to His name? Well, you can certainly do it by speaking to Him in prayer and, and, and telling Him how thankful you are that, you, that He saved you. And can I tell you, I heard a preacher say a long time ago, if you're having a hard time praying, just start praying about how much you love God and tell Him that you love Him. And I promise you, if you truly start to think about what He did for you, and you start to tell Him that you love Him, something's going to happen inside of your heart and you'll have a hard time stopping. I've tried that a couple times. I don't know if I experienced exactly what he experienced, but I do know this, that one of the ways that we offer a sacrifice of praise by the fruit of our lips giving thanks is to pray to Him and worship Him. When the Bible says that we should begin every prayer by saying, hallowed be Thy name. When I first came, I preached a series on the Lord's Prayer. How many of you remember that? And we're supposed to begin every prayer with hallowed be thy name. What is that? First of all, it's worship. It's worship and giving of thanks. And why is, why is the prayer hallowed be thy name? Isn't that an interesting phrase? It doesn't say hallowed be thyself. It says hallowed be thy name. Why? Because in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and at the name of Jesus. And by believing in the name of Jesus we are healed and we are saved. You know what I think we ought to do every now and then? Hey, Christian, your salvation getting old to you. Can I encourage you to do something? Remind yourself every now and then to give some praise to God and remember what He did for you on the cross of Calvary. I don't know if you're getting it or not, but sometimes we get a little bit cold about what God has done for us. And if there is anything I wanted to do tonight, it was to try to wake up a bunch of maybe sleeping and tired Baptists and say, listen, He is worthy of all of the." We can give him. And if we started right now to offer to him the praise of our lips, and we let we left up all night saying everything that we could about how good he is and what he's done for us, it would still not even scratch the surface of the glory that his name is worthy of. And it's good every now and then to stop and say, Lord, I just want to say you are worthy. One of the old authors, I can't remember which old preacher it was. Oh, who was it? Old, old preacher. 1800s or so. I don't know. He said every now and then when you get on your knees, well he didn't say every now and then, he said every time you get on your knees, if your prayer time is starting to feel flat, He said what you ought to do is get on your knees and imagine yourself transported through all the cosmos. Imagine yourself passing beyond all of the sun and the moon and the stars and all the great planets. And He went on a list and named all of them. And He said, Imagine appearing before the throne of God which is somewhere above or between all of those things. We don't know exactly where He dwells or how He dwells, but He is above that heaven. That is the heaven that we can see with our eyes, but He is in the invisible heaven. He said, Imagine yourself transported beyond all of the sun and the moon and the stars and the the, the sky that is above. And imagine yourself kneeling truly before the throne of a holy God that you cannot look upon in your sin and understand that Jesus Christ the righteous made it possible for you to be there and imagine yourself when you pray literally at the feet of God and then see what comes out of your mouth. I find myself when I truly take that exercise and imagine myself before the throne of a holy God in my sinful state, sometimes the only thing I can get out is, Lord, you are worthy and I am unworthy. I am undone and you are holy. I am unworthy and you are worthy. You're good and I'm not. And I don't deserve to be here. But I'm thankful that by the sacrifice of your son, I've been given permission to appear right here. And I don't understand it. And I don't know why he would let me come before your throne and talk to you for a moment, but I sure am thankful that you let me do it. We ought to to offer up with our lips the sacrifice of praise. Christian, let me ask you this. Have you ever truly praised God to Him all by yourself? with your own lips, told Him exactly how worthy He is no matter how imperfect your words may be. The Bible says we ought to. And why should we? Because the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate. <laughs> Therefore, I ought to come every now and then and offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Well, it actually says continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. I ought to pray to Him and thank Him continually. Is everybody okay? but not only by that. I think we ought to sing to Him. I think we ought to talk to Him. You know, I think every now and then Christians ought to wake up and say praise His holy name in church. What a weird thing. Can you imagine? This is our spiritual safe space. You can say amen. Some of you teenage guys need to learn how to say amen. If you don't say it loud enough, say it louder because I can't usually hear you. We need to offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Every now and then, the church ought to be filled with people saying, thanks be to God that He gave Himself for me. There ought to be somebody every now and then that just gets enthralled by the song. When we sing Amazing Grace, it shouldn't be old hat, it should be oh my soul. Thanks be to God. Praise His holy name. I believe it ought to be a sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name when we pray. I think it ought to be done when we praise Him publicly. And I think we should praise Him publicly. You know, I even think every now and then when God gives you an extra blessing, you ought to even thank Him around people that don't even know who He is. You walk into the store and take something to the counter and say, Here you go, if you could check me out, please. And they ring it up and it says certain, certain uh, uh, price, and you thought it was going to be such and such price, and, and you don't know how that happened, and they don't know how that happened. You know what? Honestly, every now and then, you ought to just say, Well, praise the Lord. They might look at you like, What in the world? Did, what, what just happened? You mean because they got Jif peanut butter cheaper than they thought? We shouldn't be ashamed to thank the Lord. I don't know if He gives us Jeff peanut butter deals. I'm just saying. We ought to praise Him in our prayer. We ought to praise Him publicly. We ought to praise Him in song. Man, we ought to sing unto Him. Not just sing to sing. Sing because He's worthy of our praise. And we should do it here. And we should do it in our cars while we're driving about town going from place to place. And while the world is is listening to the world's music and stirring up their emotions and their sinful desires and their sinful appetites, it ought to be known of the Christian that every now and then we're praising Him with our lips in song because we just need to praise Him. But how else? Look at verse number 16. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is what? There's two more sacrifices He added to this. Did you you catch it? But to what? Do good? What's that mean? Do good unto others, right? As... God Himself was good to us. We ought to offer to them the exact same thing that God is to us. And to communicate. What does that mean? It literally means giving in the offering. And to give to others our financial means when they have need. Is everybody okay? Those are sacrifices unto God. You know what I think all of us need to walk out of here tonight doing? Remembering the complete and final sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for all of us, and offering the sacrifice of praise to Him continually with the fruit of our lips and doing good and communicating—that's what we should do. Why? Because for with such sacrifices, God is what well pleased. Is everybody okay? You know what I would love it. Uh, what would love to happen is if some Christians tonight kind of got revived in their spirit about some ways that we ought to be sacrificing back to the Lord. And aren't you glad these sacrifices aren't of rams and bullocks, and He isn't asking us to sacrifice our own lives. He's just asking us to every now and then remember what His Son did and do a few things in thankfulness. Have you thought about your salvation? But more importantly... Have you truly offered the praise of your lips to God, when was the last time you did? All of us ought to do it continually. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please imprint upon our hearts and minds a desire to give praise and thanks to Your precious name. (laughs) With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many would say,